Georgetown like he did Bet I get that bread, boy, don't read me yeah. It's on me, so you can put your dollars up uh -huh. I get it poppin' champ, that's why my collar's up uh -huh. And your bitch, she been tryna holler for a month And now I feed her shit, she swallow for a lunch uh -huh. She like that protein shake Call me baby Bob Johnson, got that protein cake Just so I can ghost right for them My flow gives fish scale a forum Beat up, got them youngins that'll reach for them Two dope coop with the Gucci D coring So I don't know about y'all niggas, but we scoring We balling, we shooting, we heisting Already took the cake, can't you see the icing? My price right, so when I see the V I'm liking I just cop and go, Joe, I don't need the pricing Say you getting that bread, but all I see is slicing I'm hitting heads like a 93 Tyson Be enticing to your bitch Cause I be in Tyson's Black car pushing Black car swiping Under the influence, don't overdose Knock them off the box, leave them comatose Got that blow for the low, call it below the ropes Count snow for the low, nigga, I know the slopes Never come out the game, they think I know the coach oh, So pick up where I left off My employees say that I am the best boss Get so much play, niggas be tryna press pause Press reset, game over, you just lost I'm the MVP, so I have to score Please don't envy me, just try to practice more Then maybe you can put the ball through the hoop Running circles around my competition like a hula hoop Y'all don't get your lane, y'all don't get that bag Y'all don't get your brain, y'all don't get that game Money, 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 money Suckers on with the bills Pretty soon you're gonna pay Bill selected Get me, don't shit me All right, you know what time it is, ladies and gents. It's never out of bounds, and this is your man, El Jama. I told you it was going to come back for a special Saturday night edition. We do not normally do this, but hey, why not? Let's have some fun tonight. I wanted It wasn't going to be a super long show, uh, but I wanted to get right into it. Uh, I recently saw Jurassic World 2, uh, The Fallen Kingdom, and we're going to talk. I wanted to talk a little bit about that tonight. Um, it actually, surprisingly, was a pretty good movie. Um, I came in there kind of, I would I want to say, at least, um, well, I, I didn't have high expectations. I really didn't have really too many, if any, uh, I didn't really have any expectations, really. But uh, the movie itself wasn't that bad. It's it's crazy because you're now five movies in, and it's, it's, uh, the series itself has uh, has you know, stood the test of at least a couple, a couple decades, a little bit over a couple decades. And it's just interesting to see, you know, what type of stories they can come up with this. How can they take this uh, even farther uh, than where they were, even just in the last reiteration of the movie and five movies in um, it's still, you know, I, I think they get the dinosaurs, right? Um, we're going to talk a little bit about what, what I liked first about the positives first. Um, but like, you know, believe it or not, you know, for a movie that's five series, for a series that's five movies in, like I said, that's gone on for at least 20 or so years. Um, the the concept of the movie of this movie, particularly and the plot in this movie, you know, you you, you figure it would be hit and miss. And, you know, some of these plots can, you know, can be. It's just the way, you know, these series work. But uh, for the most part, I feel like they they did the best for what they could do five movies in and the concept of you know the 
dinosaurs being endangered, being in peril because of a, you know, super cataclysmic event like the volcano in the movie, uh, that's, you know, that's just more layers to a story that we didn't think, you know, 20 years ago we'd get that far. You know, I'm surprised they even had a Jurassic World, to be honest with you, especially after the third one. Uh, it's just like I said, it's just how how many more stories can you come up with? But I'll give them that they were able to come up with a cohesive storyline. It made sense and it pretty much flowed um, the you know, the the uh, volcano took place and you saw the devastation that did. And I'll give you one thing that I will give the movie is the visual effects have always in the series been on point. Uh, the volcano itself was, you know, the details were there, you know, when the when the, when it finally happened, uh, you saw that process and you saw what it was doing to the island and you saw the aftermath and the and the after effects of it. So, you know, you definitely saw those details and they're definitely, you know, they can definitely make those those dinosaurs come to life. And what I also liked about it is how in each each movie, they try to highlight a different a different sort of dinosaurs or a different uh, dinosaur all in general. I know in the first two movies, they like to highlight, um, they, they wanted to highlight the T-Rex. Of course, you had your scenes with the uh, Velociraptors, at least in the, in the first one and even the second one too. Um, and I think parts of the third one, but now they really encompassed them, gave them a full fledged role in this movie. You could big epic climax between the two, you know, lab created. Well, they are they're all all of the dinosaurs are lab created, but those specific uh, the two specific main dinosaurs, you know, and, and their backstory. And you got You get to see some little excerpt. So if you miss the first Jurassic World, you get to see some some little backstory into that and to see how it, you know, brings it all together again. The storyline was, again, coherent it would stay consistent and it pretty much was a continue it was a good continuation of the last story not, not to say that it was the greatest story or the story that it's you know coming after was so great but it's at least a continuation which gives it some type of credit credibility because it's consistent i love consistency you know and it definitely has that there um my the couple of the biggest problems that i had were just you know just some of the some of it was cheesy, some of it was over the top, but it's a dinosaur movie. Uh, some of the characters, like I think one of the characters that really got to on my nerves was Franklin. Just a little too annoying for me, you know. Just I don't know. I don't want. I don't know if he wants to wanted to be a stereotype in the movie or not a stereotype, but it just kind of hit and miss. And a lot of the a lot of the dialogue was hit and miss. And also Jeff Goldblum made the made a special appearance in this movie as Dr. Ian Malcolm, everybody's favorite from the first. And to me, you know, like I said, just some things don't work, you know, fits five movies in 20 something years later. I wasn't feeling a Malcolm uh, presence, the Ian Malcolm presence. It just seemed to me more of the same uh, tirade he was going on in the first movie. You know, where he, where he said you slapped it, you marketed it. Same type of spiel here at at the court case, you know, which is where he shows up in the movie. And it's just, come on. It's just the same. It's a retread pretty much of the first and second movie with this character. More so the first movie in that scene particular when he's going in on Dr. Hammond. And, you know, and just talking about human nature in general and how we're dumb for bringing these. We know we're dumb for bringing them alive. We know that. We know that. And I pretty much just feel like that's all he brings to the movie. The cynical aspect of it. Like, I told you so. Like, I told you this wasn't going to work. I knew this wasn't going to work. And sometimes it's a buzzkill for me, you know, because we know it. We get it. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Let's move on to the next point. And I think his scenes just kind of, I think they were there. I mean, I get why they were there. They wanted to bring it all together and, you know, put a face in there that you could point out and say, oh, that's Dr. Malcolm, especially a, a face of somebody that, you know, you you liked at one time. But, um, you know, it didn't work. And I don't think he really flowed. He, uh, he, I don't think he really, you know, fit the movie. And another thing is the big, the big reveal in the end. I'm not going to get deep into it. Uh, but, you know, but one thing I will say, uh, I'll give a little hint is they're not using that technology just to make new dinosaurs in that movie. I'll tell you that. So there's another twist in there that I really wasn't feeling. I really didn't like, I didn't get really per se. Um, 
But outside of that, I I thought I thought the movie itself was was decent. Uh, the 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 villain uh, played by you know you know he, he he I don't know his motivations were were solid you know I guess you know or solid I guess what he wanted to do he wanted to you know create a black market for these you know these killer you know velociraptors and he was you know like I said he create ended up creating a monster that they really couldn't handle again you know this is what they do and pretty much you know that's that's that was the whole you know that's the whole point of the bad guy well let's make the dinosaurs and let's make them the you know the sale and let's make the the killer dinosaurs so of course you had that and I just thought that was pretty typical I thought it was atypical of a movie like that I'm sorry just just straight up typical and it, it didn't bring in my opinion it didn't bring anything new to the genre of course you got Chris Pratt in there from the uh, last movie so there is that consistency, but uh, again, you know, just the same old, you know, the story, the, the villain himself plays the same kind of role that he, that he would play in any other the movies. And, um, you know, for, for what it's worth, it's a little boring, you know, in terms of his, his in terms of his, his role. But uh, overall, other than that, like I said, the visuals were on point. I definitely liked, you know, how they presented the island, presented the dinosaurs again. They're definitely key, keen on, you know, all those features, all the, you know, exactly what those dinosaurs would more than likely look like. It takes some skill and they definitely showed that here. And again, the story, the overall story itself was good. It's consistent. It ties into the last movie. Again, outside of just a few annoying characters, uh, notably even the, yeah, notably the name, the main villain. You know, it was a pretty solid movie, but there was just a couple of annoying scenes, you know, especially with, you know, Dr. Ian Malcolm and like a couple of annoying characters I just couldn't get. And then the twist, one of the twists in the end, like I said, I'm not going to go deep, deep into that. I don't want to give it all away, but um, it, I wasn't really feeling it. But would I watch it again? Not right away, but I would. And I would, I wouldn't recommend it to everybody else. So if you have a chance, if you ain't doing nothing, take it, take a good look at it. You know, it's a solid movie. You know, it probably won't knock your socks off, but it'll, it'll keep you entertained for a couple hours. Definitely will. Definitely should do that. All right, y'all. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I told y'all last night I wanted to get into my top 10 controversial boxing matches I've ever seen in my life. So if you don't know a whole lot about, a lot about boxing, uh, pay attention. I'll be giving some information out. You know, you can learn a little bit tonight and learn a little about me, too. So y'all stay tuned. I'll be right back. All right. I'm liking the style, the sun's out and I'm out and about 
Loving the weather, it couldn't be better. Hell nah. And that's without a doubt. Go to cruise and find a place to chill and relax until some cold ones back. See, I like like that. I wouldn't have it any other way. Homies bumping their zap in the back of the lax on this kind of shit. It's just one of those days. It makes them wanna just get up and go. Get pressed, fresh, dressed, in the mouth. It's, it's just one of those days. Jumping my six three, hit the juice on my ride. Working white Cortezes with the swoosh on the it's side. It's one of those days. It makes them wanna just get up and go. Get pressed, fresh, dressed, in the mouth. It's, it's just one of those days. The sun is shining and I love it that way. I can't help but feel good. It's just one of those it's just days. One of those Backyard boogies and barbecues. Packed with a lot of fools. A lot of highness too, a lot of food and a lot of booze It's just something we do, on a day like this one Old school music bumping, thumping out the system Beautiful women, line them up and I'll pick one Probably, go get a quick one, come back and I can't change my evil ways, but what can I say? I like to play, I can't help it, it's just one of those it's just days one of those days It makes them wanna just get up and go Get pressed, fresh, dressed, tend our mouth It's just one of those days Hit the juice on my ride Four and white four Texas with the swoosh on the it's side It's one of those days It makes me wanna just get up and go Get pressed, fresh, dressed, tend I'm out the show It's just one of those days The sun is shining and I love it that way I can't help but feel good It's just one of those days It's just one of those days Alright y'all, so we are back and we're going to get into these controversial fights, but uh, there is some more recent boxing news. Now, Manny Pacquiao was able to add another world title to his collection. He was able to stop Lucas Matisse at the two, uh, two minutes and 43 second mark around seven uh, via TKO uh, to win the WBA World to Weight title. Now... I'm not super surprised. There was only two ways in which this fight could really go. Both these guys are known for their punching. Matisse more known for his power. Pacquiao known for his speed and volume. Now, like I said, there was only two ways in which this fight could go. It was going to be knockout from a pretty much a knockout from either guy, and uh, and that's pretty much what happened. Uh, Pacquiao was able to use his hand speed from the beginning. He had the faster hands. I wasn't necessarily surprised to see that even at 38. So um, I kind of just accepted that for what it was. And uh, Matisse pretty much fought, you know, Pacquiao like a lot of other people that he ends up beating on. Came in there really flat footed, head straight uh, forward. And he just ate a lot of shots from beginning to end. Uh, Matisse was knocked down in round three, and it just looked like Pacquiao was, you know, and for what it's worth, you know, despite, pa again, you know, Pacquiao is 38, 39 years old. He's almost 40, of course. There's that age. But again, styles do make fights, and Matisse was, was perfect for him. He came straight forward, no real head movement, didn't really block. And that's the thing about power punchers. Um, unless there's somebody like Mike Tyson, I'll give you maybe uh, Rocky Marciano, uh, Marvin Hagler, who who can move just a little bit, maybe block a little bit, you know, just a little bit better than Matisse. Matisse just came in there for it. And when you have somebody in there that has faster hands than you, it's not going to work. And I'm not necessarily too surprised because there was only two ways in which that fight could have won. It was going to be a knockout by either guy. And also, you know, the thing about it is with this win, Pacquiao basically opens us up for either Bud Crawford or Errol Spence, or maybe even one of the other guys at 147, the top guys at 147, whether it be Keith Thurman or uh, Danny Garcia. And to keep it real with you, I really don't know how well he does. I don't think he does that great against those guys, to be honest with you. Not to take too much away from, from uh, this performance. Again, it's good to see somebody, you know, of advanced age do their thing, of course. But again, it's about style. Styles make fights. And, you know, in the ring with a with a competent boxer, somebody that can move and give some angles, jab, and just doesn't stay flat on their foot gives Pacquiao a lot of problems at whatever age in his career. So, again, it was a good win for him. It'll probably set up one more big-time uh, big fight for him before he retires. I'm not too sure if he wins that fight, though. But this this decision in this fight, you know, ended by knockout, so there was no controversy. However, the next fight, the, the next few fights that I'm going to be talking about, 
have some controversy. They definitely are controversial. So we're going to get right into that. And my top five, I'm going to start off with number five, Lennox Lewis and Evander Holyfield. Now, this match took place March the 3rd, 1999. And it was in the heavyweight division, of course. And it was took place at Madison Square Garden. This is the fight cap, pretty much one of the fight capitals of the world. You know, one of the top things to be at. And this was just for, for the IBA, WBA, and WBCA, uh, sorry, WBC heavyweight title, as well as the lineal heavyweight championship, which basically is the champion of all chance. The, it's not, there's no belt for it, but it's the distinguishing title. Basically means you're the best of the best in that division. Now this fight um, ended in a split draw. Now this is weird because I'm pretty sure you guys never heard of this before, especially not my non-boxing fans. Now a split draw is really rare, but this occurs when one of the judges are in favor of one boxing, uh, one boxer, and the other judge is in favor of another, and then one judge completely sees it as a draw. Now the final scorecard ended in 116, 113, and 115. Now of course what I mean by that is one judge had Lewis the winner, one judge had Holt field the winner and one judge completely had it a draw it's rare but it's happened recently as well it's also happened in the canela alvarez uh triple g fight as well where uh one fight uh one uh judge had triple uh charge triple g winning the fight another fight had another judge excuse me had canela winning by a, a, a wide margin which was very controversial and then you had another person calling it a draw which is probably in my opinion looking at it again where it could have been at, where it probably should have been called. Now, in the sake of this fight, however, Lewis outlanded Evander Holyfield uh, 218 more times. He landed 318 punches at 57% compared to 130 punches from, uh, excuse me, Evander Holyfield. And he only landed at 30, uh, 34%. On top of that, uh, sorry, on top of that, Lennox Lewis threw for 228 more punches than Evander Holyfield. So we see um, that we see that some kind of some outright rigging here, to be honest with you. And I think a lot of that is because, believe it or not, there is an American, at least on the heavyweight division, there is some American bias, in my opinion, just for whatever reason. Uh, I've seen it for a while now. Um, you can look at it right now in today's heavyweight division. Uh, Anthony Joshua already has the two belts. He has two belts already. And he's, uh, like I said, he's unified those titles. He's probably, I would say he's fought the, the better competition uh, in his career, despite not having as many fights. But because of uh, Deontay Wilder's punching power and the fact that he has a WBC belt, which other people claim is the most prestigious belt honestly it doesn't matter you really want to be the 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 lineal champion the man that beat the man so in all that in all reality the the titles the belts themselves kind of don't kind of don't matter but again if you if you're if you're uh, unifying two titles or more then you know you're 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 somewhat of you're definitely up there but i definitely think there's an american bias uh people look at Deontay Wilder, they see the knockout power and they just get enamored with that. And I think, you know, heading into this fight between Lennox Lewis and Evander Holyfield, uh, Lennox Lewis had, had established himself as a top WBC fighter. Now, like I just said, the WBC is probably the most prestigious single belt that you can have. Now, in that fight, uh, Lennox Lewis pretty much outboxed Evander Holyfield, outjabbed him, uh, hit him with more power shots, effectively used his range. And again, you know, I see American bias here. Um, I think people look at Evander Holyfield and they were, you know, really into the fact that he beat Mike Tyson, the tough, the quote unquote, tough, baddest man on the planet twice. Uh, and they kind of took it. And I think they, they took it, you know, too far. And um, even in this fight, uh, I already was able to see, you know, some of Evander Holyfield's aging. You could see that he's didn't have the same step. And it was just kind of confusing to see, you know, confusing to see that happen in all reality. I was not expecting him to see to see Evander get that win. It didn't look like he won that fight. And the cold part about it is pretty much in the rematch, rematch excuse me, Lennox fought him the same way. Fought him the exact same way. 
and he ended up winning that fight by unanimous decision. So it's it's crazy, you know. Um, boxing just has that way to do that to you, you know. When you think you know something, it throws you for a loop. <laughs> now the next fight that I'm going to get into is number four. Uh, this happened a little bit recently. Matter of fact, this happened last year, and it happened against somebody that I just brought up, Manny Pacquiao. Now this was uh, his fight against uh, Jeff Horn. Now this fight took place, excuse me, uh, July the second last year. It was in a, it was in your boy Jeff Horn's hometown. So you know that's part. Of, you know that's definitely part of the reason why this decision is so uh, crazy. It ended up being a, a, a unanimous decision for Jeff Horn. Uh, the final scorecards read 117-115 uh, to 113. Uh, and then also 115, another 115 to 113. Now this is crazy because if you, if anybody has seen the fight, um, or any highlights of the fight, or any pictures of the fight, anything referring to the fight, you you will have seen a messed up face on the on the account of Jeff Horn. He was battered and bruised. Uh, final punched out. Final final punch stats, excuse me, come out like this: 102 punches overall landed for Pacquiao, as compared to 92 from Jeff Horn, at a, only a 14% connect percentage. Now this was crazy, but I guess I guess I get it because I think in all reality, Manny Pacquiao was trying to avoid somebody like a Terrence Brett Crawford to, from the get go, and they figured he'd get in there with somebody easy, and they ended up taking it from him in you know some hometown home cooking situation, which I don't necessarily agree with. But what it did was it gave um, once Bud Craw Terrence Brett Crawford uh, got into the division, the one forty seven division, they kind of set him up uh, kind of nicely with an easier belt, easier time. Now eventually. Uh, but he'll probably have to fight Pacquiao, which, you know, I don't think a lot of people will like to see. I'm going to tell you right now, Pacquiao, I don't care what you think you saw last night. Pacquiao is old. He's he's done as well. He just fought another done fighter. So, you know, you keep saying what you want, but he's going to get his ass whooped. I just, I just talked about this fight here because, honestly, Jeff Horn looked like trash. He always has it like trash. He looked like trash against Bud Crawford. I don't know what the hell they were coming off, what the hell they were smoking, trying to give him a win for anything. And uh, it'll come back and bite him because he won't ever win shit because he's just that trash. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay, third fight. Now, this one didn't come. This one didn't end in the decision. Now, a lot of the, a lot of decisions, a lot of the most controversial fights end in decisions, whether it be a unanimous decision, more than likely a split decision, which... Uh, Pretty much, you got everybody voting for somebody different in a split decision. But uh, this one ended in a knockout, which is surprising. This is uh, Floyd Mayweather versus Victor Ortiz, and this took uh, place in Vegas, uh, seven. Uh, the, the, I'm sorry, September the seventeenth, two thousand eleven, and this was a KO in four. Now, the reason why I feel this one was so controversial is because I feel like everybody named Mama has something to say about it. It was really negative about it. You know, I personally thought the fight, you know, ended the way it was supposed to. You're supposed to protect yourself at all times, but again. It's an example of people not understanding the sport that they're watching and not really paying attention to the rules or anything like that, and just wanting to have something to complain about. Uh, from the round, from from the from the offset, at least round two, um, Victor Ortiz was outmatched and outgunned by his by a much more skilled opponent. And people can say what they want; we can argue about it all day. There was no there was no shot that that Victor Ortiz had in that fight. He he was not hurting Floyd. He was not coming back. He was not effect effectively hitting Floyd. Not 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 once whatsoever in that fight. He didn't mount any type of offense. Nothing significant. And what happened was he wanted to play dirty. He was headbutting Floyd throughout the fight intentionally. And for those of you, uh, for those who don't happen or don't know what happened, excuse me, around round four, you know. Um, Victor Ortiz tries to mount somewhat of a mini comeback. Somewhat. And I say somewhat because he really didn't do shit. But since Floyd is, you know, not everybody's favorite boxer, not everybody's cup of tea, any amount of offense rallied by another boxer against him will be recognized, will be saluted, even though the boxer didn't do shit. When you look at the, when you look at the actual footage when you look at the highlights you will see the boxer didn't do shit his opponent didn't do shit but everybody's hooping and hollering because they hate floyd so much they want to see him go down but anyways you see victor ortiz 
get Floyd up against the ropes. Everybody's happy. Oh my God, he's gonna get him. He's coming back. This is where everybody thought he had his little rally, which was a lie. Anybody who wants to tell you that is a liar to your face. Victor Ortiz wasn't doing shit. Don't listen to them. They're gonna sit there and try to tell well, he was coming back and he was coming. If he was coming back, if he was truly coming back, if he was hurting him with his fist, if he was hurting Mayweather with his fist, he wouldn't have to use a flying headbutt. Because nobody's that dumb to, to realize that they're, they're, they are on a comeback in a championship fight and decide to ruin that with a flying headbutt. That could get them immediately disqualified. Because the way that that headbutt was thrown, I'm going to be honest with you, if I was paid to be a referee, I'd have him kicked out the, the fight. What the fuck is that bullshit? Are you going to do Victor Ortiz decides after he missed, because that's what he was doing, he was missing his shots, everyone, everybody, because he was frustrated. Cause you don't you don't hit you don't you don't you don't fly you don't jump up and hit somebody with a headbutt because you're winning the fight. Don't play don't play it to that game, y'all. Don't fall for that game, y'all. That's what they want you to do. They want you to sit there and say, "Yeah, Floyd really cheated. He took advantage of somebody." Fuck that. Fuck that bullshit. Nobody, no real champion that's winning a fight is gonna sit there and, and, and jeopardize that with a flying headbutt. Victor Ortiz was getting his ass whooped from round one, and it made him frustrated. And the only thing he could do was hit that man with a headbutt. Now, after they were broken up, after they broke the fighters up, uh, what's the ref's name? Mm. <sighs> Can't remember the ref's name right now. But when the the refs broke the fighters up, he brought them. You know, he broke them up. He said, "Man." Ortiz, that's some bullshit, of course. I believe he took away a point from Ortiz for that bullshit. I would have, like I said, I would have disqualified him because that is a deliberate headbutt that could have that could have really caused damage. People don't really pay attention to things like that. Again, because it's biased. They don't like Floyd Mayweather. So if Floyd Mayweather would have got beaten up with four or five, you know, head illegal head butts, butts and four or five illegal low blows, they would have been happy with that. Because it still would have been an L. They would have tried to still call it an L. But anyways. After the after the ref breaks him up, of course he brings him back together. You know that's what you're supposed to do in boxing. That's what the ref did. The ref, you know, did his job. He said, "Time in." Did exactly what he was supposed to do. Here comes Victor Ortiz, immature, and this is the problem about you know Victor Ortiz. And I always will 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 say this about a lot of fighters in that weight class in that time is a lot of them are really underachievers. You know, they got in by having good good athleticism. They put them in there with other underachievers. Like in the sense of they uh 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 of Ortiz, um Victor Ortiz, they put him in there with Andre Berto, another 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 underachiever, somebody who looked great against, you know, average opponents, so so opponents, but as soon as you put him in there with somebody of any real reputable skill, they beat him. And that's pretty much what Victor Ortiz, they were, you know, Victor Ortiz, I, I saw that from the beginning. Of course, the fight fans don't want to say that that hurts. That hurts their feelings because they really think that he was hurting Floyd. They want to convince you. But anyways, they let the fight back in. And here comes Ortiz. He wants a hug. He wants to come in and hug Floyd. Well, Floyd says there will be none of that. Cracks him. Knocks him the fuck out. And if, if you ask me, he deserved it. For Mr. For, for having a flying headbutt, yes, you deserve to get knocked out. The ref said time in, you wanted to hug the man. That was your mistake, Victor Ortiz. You do not hug a man after the ref says time in. You go and you punch him. You 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 fucked up. And no one feels sorry for you. And if you look at the rest of his fights ever after that, he never could get it back because he just didn't have it mentally there. He really didn't. And all anybody who's telling you that he he could have won that fight or he's in position to come back and all that, they're lying to you. Don't even listen to him. Don't even don't even listen to him. He didn't have a he he did he just like Zab Judah, he did not have the mental wherewithal to keep it up for twelve rounds against Floyd. Trust me, Floyd is that much better than people. He will break you down mentally first. Anyways, uh on to my number two fight. Now this is Oscar De La Hoya versus Felix Trinidad. And this took place a while back in the nineties. Took place uh, September the 18th, 1998, in Las Vegas, and it was for the uh, IBF and WBC welterweight titles. Now, this fight ended in a, in a majority decision, and this is when two uh, two judges decide to uh, agree that one guy is the winner, but one guy sees it as a draw. Now, it's funny. Uh, the the four, I'll go through the final scorecards real quick: one fifteen to one thirteen. 
115 to 114, and these are both for Felix Trinidad, and then you had a 114-114 draw. Now, you know, now this one is a little bit, you know, it's definitely controversial because even to this day, uh, and, and and I'll be honest with you, I, I, I'll have to admit it at some point, uh, this fight exposed the bias that I did have, even though I was a young young boy at this time, did, did expose the, the bias that I did have for Oscar La Hoya. Um, I was never really a quote-unquote real fan of his. And watching this fight um, pretty much established that for me. Now, you know, when I was younger, of course, I looked at the fight and I believed, I wanted to believe in my, in my, in my heart that, well, first of all, I didn't know how the referees came up with the decision first and foremost. Uh, Cause in my, in my opinion, looking at, you know, just how everything transpired, I did see uh, Trinidad come on in the last half of the fight. He came on the strongest in the last three rounds. Now, at the end of the fight, though, his trunks was all bloody. All he had, I remember it was like it was yesterday. He had a pair of all white trunks on. At the end of the fight, them motherfuckers was doused with his own blood. So I was trying to figure out. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm juiced when I hear he's the winner. I'm like from Puerto Rico. Oh, Felix, he won. But I'm sitting there after the fight after they made a decision. I'm sitting there though, like, damn. How the hell they come up with this decision? And his trunks is bloody as hell like that. But mind you, I wasn't an Oscar De La Hoya fan, so I had let it go until I was older. Now, when I got older, I decided, you know what? I'll give this another watch. I'll give it one more. I'll give it a couple more watches at some point in my life, just so I understand, you know, where they were coming from. Now, again, watching it all again, um, and in the future, yeah, I think I, I, I saw it again maybe a couple years ago, um, and actually just recently too for this for this uh, for this presentation here. Um, you know, the Oscar started that fight off brilliantly, better than you could have ever had a start for a fight. Um, now I feel like he definitely outboxed him. He definitely, uh, and this is in terms of uh, De La Hoya outboxing uh, Trinidad, he definitely did for the first six rounds. I will give you that. He uh, gave him good footwork. He gave him good angles. He gave Trinidad good uh, range. He effectively used his range. Uh, and he did that for a good six rounds. But what I did see was after, let's say after the sixth round, I did see De La Hoya start. I wouldn't say necessarily retreat, but I will say he he wasn't as as active offensively after a certain point in time. He decided to not throw as many punches. I, f I think he felt like he was on top of the fight. He was in a very uh, he had he had fought himself to a to a a wide margin on the scorecards, and I felt he could just I felt uh, from what I was looking at. And this is older eyes that he felt he could just coast. Now. What was ha what was happening was that from rounds I would say even more picking up not to say round six but I would say round seven you do see Trinidad you know increasing his offense just by a little bit adding a little bit more punches there you know not necessarily still taking shots he wasn't he wasn't there to really box he was there to really exchange with De La Hoya and not really get into it he wasn't necessarily a boxer he could you could definitely see that De La Hoya was was really moving well on his feet in the beginning really give him a lot of angles but you did see pockets in the fight in which he would slow down and just allow you know Trinidad to hit him and it's not a, and it wasn't and it and in my opinion, it wasn't the best idea because what it did was it it gave Trinidad confidence throughout the fight. And what I will say is that second, I will give you rounds eight through 12. I'm not saying I'll say rounds nine through 12. Definitely. You could say at least three rounds. You can definitely outright give the Trinidad. Now, if you want to go, you know, from round six, seven, they could have went either way. 
Now, when you in that position where they can go either way, you, I, as a, I wouldn't want to. I would. I would have preferred, you know, Oscar La Hoya as a as a fan of the fight, as of somebody who's watching that fight. You know, fan of boxing in general, not a judge per se. I'm not getting paid to judge it, but if I were to just look at it subjectively, just be honest with you, I would have preferred De La Hoya to stay on the gas for the entire fight. I felt like when when he felt like he was at a at a wide range, he fought like that, and he fought like that for a majority of the fight. The second half of you, you cannot fight like you cannot fight timid or lazily, or you cannot put your foot on the gas for an entire second half. And I think it came back to haunt him. I think he did just enough for the fight to either be either a split decision in his in his decision in his favor, which would have brought another rematch, or a draw. And at the, I, 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 looking at it, I could have very well said a draw, looking at the way the fight went. Uh, Oscar de La Hoya, like I said, he had a great opening to the fight. I'll give you the first six rounds. But after that, he decided to run. Not necessarily run, but move around. He did turn his back to, to, to Felix Trinidad, but he definitely didn't want to engage. And at some point in time, uh, because of that, I, I feel that Felix Trinidad was taking advantage of those, was taking advantage of those moments that he had and was outgunning him at certain points of the fight because he wanted to. Not necessarily because he was the better fighter, but because he put it, put out the effort. And with the effort alone, I think a lot of people was able to see Pat and was able to be enamored by that and give him the fight. I honestly, I, I, at this point, I will, give, I will have to say a draw. At this point in my life, I again, I don't like the fact that De La Hoya decided to run around for six rounds. When I say run around, please don't misconstrue me as he was scary or acting or nothing like that. But it was just that he wasn't engaging. He wasn't putting his foot on the gas and he wasn't landing enough points and scoring enough points, in my opinion, and scoring enough shots to really to really sit there and say, well, he justified winning the entire fight. Can't say that. So I'll say that one was a draw. Now my final fight here, uh, my number one fight is is a is, is a tie here. Now they're both Floyd Mayweather fights, and they're both uh, one is a welterweight fight. And as you can see, there's kind of a pattern here. A lot of these fights, with the exception of the Lennox Lewis fight, have been welterweight fights. And I think the reason with that is over time, definitely before my time. Um, the welterweight position, the welterweight division, especially starting in the eighties has experienced basically they've been one of the top weight classes and in terms of um more recently after the fall off of lennox lewis and mike tyson and even evander holyfield uh people went down to south of the border in terms of you know weight classes that they like you know they definitely got into manny pacquiao they got into floyd may with the shane mosley oscar hoya uh, people weren't necessarily into the big brute and heavyweights like they were. They weren't into the Klitschko brothers. So they were definitely in the Floyd and Oscar La Hoya. And uh, the two fights that I'm going to talk about are Floyd fights. One of them has to, one of them was with Oscar La Hoya. And the other, I, put, I feel, probably was the most controversial to a lot more other people. Uh, this fight against Jose Luis Castillo. So we'll get into the Oscar La Hoya fight first real quick. The Oscar La Hoya fight was... Uh, single de Mayo 2007 and it was for the WBC welterweight title and it's for this and WBC uh, the, uh sorry the welterweight division is basically 147 pounds that's the max uh so anybody between 140 147 or actually up to 147 um that's pretty much what that encompasses now Floyd ended up winning by a split decision now again a split decision is when uh one fighter uh, I'm sorry as one one, uh, I'm sorry, two judges declare one boxer the winner, but the other, the third judge declares somebody else the winner. Uh, so in this case, two judges had it had it for um, Floyd Mayweather, and another judge had it for Oscar La Hoya. Now all three of these uh, these scorecards were relatively relatively uh, close, um, but I feel that you know a lot of controversy comes from because a lot of people feel that. You know, and I and I, the reason why I brought these fights together because they fought, uh, were pretty much fought similarly. Uh, Jose Castillo and Oscar La Hoya decided to employ a pressure strategy that, on first glance, looked like it was enough to beat him. Uh, for a lot of people, again, if you're not looking direct, if you're not paying, you know 
tons of attention, you're going to miss the fact that a lot of these punches that these guys throw are missing. They're not hitting the target. They're getting deflected. They're getting, you know, he's moving out of the way of them. So a lot of people don't see it. A lot of people don't appreciate the defensive skills he brings to the table. And it's really unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. You know, the, the thing about boxing is, you know, you got to respect the human body. And, you know, despite how hard we hit, despite how hard, you know, you know, we work out and all that. We are human beings who can take the best shots of anybody. So this is a subjective sport. This is a, this is not this is not MMA, you know, and even in MMA, when you don't knock the guy out, you, you go to a scorecard, you know, because the human body, you know, it can withstand pain. It can withstand your best punches. So you have to have another way to determine a winner when there's no knockout. And it just so happened, in my opinion, that Floyd was able to outbox his opponents. He was able to land punches at the at the at the uh, opportune time. He landed the most telling blows, in my opinion. And you could tell because had these and and, and I will give you these I, both these guys, De La Hoya and Jose Luis Castillo. They have significant enough power to the point where I felt like if they were to continuously hit Floyd, they were continuously hitting Floyd, they would have dropped them eventually. And they did. They never did. And um, with the exception of maybe uh, Jose, I think with the exception of Jose Luis Castillo, because he hurt his arm, his, 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 uh, his power hand in that fight, uh, he outlanded uh, De La Hoya. De La Hoya, of course, he, he had a couple moments. I'll give him the third round. Uh, he looked solid in that. He 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 mounted a couple. He had a couple moments and rounds. I don't think he won a whole lot of rounds, but he definitely had his moments. He went to the body. He was able to do some damage there, but he didn't slow Floyd down. He didn't stop Floyd from moving. He didn't stop Floyd from hitting him with the lead right hand. And Floyd just pretty much, and, I, and I'm going to keep saying, he outboxed him for the entire night. And a lot, same thing with Jose Luis Castillo. Believe it or not, you know, they're looking you know, they're looking at all aspects of the fight. They're not just looking at what you can do offensively. They're not just looking at what a boxer can do in terms of how hard he can hit. They also want to know if he can move around a little bit. They want to know if he can move his head a little bit. Because remember, when the fight doesn't end on knockouts, they need something subjective to be able to declare a winner. So if Floyd, if Floyd, you know, so when Floyd is not necessarily throwing, but he's making a guy miss multiple times, he's he's getting points for that. I mean, he's blocking your guy's best shot over and over again. They're looking at that, and he's and he's a better fighter for that. You don't have to throw the majority of the punches. You don't have to throw all hard shots to win boxing. This is not about knocking somebody out all the damn time. That's what people confuse about boxing. And I'll give you the Jose Luis Castillo fight. I think Floyd hurt his hand around round eight or something like that. And, you know, there was there was pockets in which, you know, Jose Luis Castillo was able to do his thing uh, more so often than in the beginning of the fight. But again, the the work that Floyd put in the beginning of the fight was enough for me. Yeah, we we pretty much knew what was going to happen again, you know. Floyd wasn't able to hurt him past the seventh or the eighth, something like that. Whenever he hurt his hand, so it allowed to allowed Jose to continuously come in with some shots. But again, they weren't hurting Floyd. Floyd stayed on his feet, and Floyd still outboxed him even with a hurt hand. So say what you will. If we and if you really want to get into it, if you really want to get technical, then let's talk about the rematch then. Because in the rematch, Floyd fought him the same way, and he lost. Even more convincingly. So there you go. You know, I, I y'all, I, and I think a lot of times is, is people get biased and people don't really get the sport. They wanted to make the sport about punching hard and hitting somebody and knocking people out. And that's not all what the sport is about. And that's why your favorite fighter in a lot of cases will continue to lose. You will not understand. You'll say that the sport is rigged when it's not. But there are some uh, occasions when I, you know, and I shared some with you. That it can be, but in all reality, styles make fights, man. Styles make fights. You know, um, the power puncher might not always be a great boxer. That's the whole. That's the whole point. If he if he can't catch him, then he's probably not catch him early. Then he's probably not gonna win that fight. 
unless that unless the, the box that he's facing doesn't hit as hard and he, you know, allows allows the power punch to come in continuously and, you know, do some damage there. Then it goes back and forth and it's somewhat exciting. Then it just goes to decision again and it's up in the air. So this this is the point, you know, and, and this is why you have to understand boxing is a sport where, it, you know, if you don't knock him out, then what do you do? You know, so don't get, you know, people, I would suggest, you know, instead of getting mad at all these decisions or, you know, I will watch the fight multiple times first and then go from there. At least watch it two or three times. Then understand, okay, well, this is what they saw. This is probably what they saw in terms of this fighter or that fighter. And you'll get a chance to understand it. Again, not all these fights, you know, the decisions I, I don't agree with, like especially with Holyfield, and, uh, Linus Lewis and Evander Holyfield. Linus Lewis beat that ass. It was not, it was not a draw. Anyway, this was not really even. This fight was not even. You know, Jeff Horn, come on. We all know, I know a lot more people saw that fight. That what You know that fight was no decision win for no Jeff Horn. Come on, don't play yourself. You know? Uh, now, in terms of the Oscar La Jolla fight with uh, Trinidad, that one, I'll have, to, I'll have to say is a draw. Again, didn't really, none of them really pull it out enough for me to really say that they were winning, to be honest with you. Uh, in the first half, De La Hoya dominated. In the second half, Trinidad made it made it close again. I I can't say he outright took it, but he made it close again. All right, uh, we're gonna wrap this up for tonight, y'all. We'll be back next week, uh, starting Monday. Uh, we'll have another episode for y'all. So we're gonna take a break for the weekend. Y'all have a good one. Y'all stay cool because it's hot too. Y'all enjoy it. Peace out.